Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky. With me as always is the maestro of mail order mysteries, Eddie Guevara. Today's guests are the one and only Chuck Caputo and Craig Tarbeck. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for joining us. All right, thank you. All right, glad to be here. All right, guys, before we get into our conversation, uh, as always, we're going to talk a little bit about some friends of the uh, the House of the Unusual. We're going to start off with our buddy Todd Machen over at the Sea Monkey Store, so go ahead and visit sea-monkeys.com for all your underwater sea monkeys needs. They have some great stuff there. And if you're into magic and uh, magicians, mentalism, check out our buddy Dave Haversat's website at 1878press.com. That's 1878press.com. And I tell you what, if you're like us and you love stupid stuff that will make you laugh all night long, you got to check out stupidcomicsmagazine.com. And that's stupid spelled S-T-O-O-P-I-D. And the comics magazine is is completely hilarious it is a mix of the far side cracked and mad magazine all rolled up into one uh, all black and white pages and they're absolutely hilarious so go ahead and check that out at stupidcomicsmagazine.com and if you're in the mood to watch some videos on some some great magic uh, especially horror magic check out our buddy chuck caputo's youtube site at cherry caputo uh, just type it in the search, Sherry, that's C-H-E-R-I, Caputo, C-A-P-U-T-O. Tons of great videos on there. You won't be disappointed, and you'll have a great time. And while you're on YouTube, check out House of the Unusual, and subscribe to our channels, like our videos, and come back uh, every week for more. Also, Scary Monsters Magazine, number 123, the harrowing haunted Halloween issue, is up for pre-order at MyMovieMonsters.com. The magazine is 146 pages of Monster Kid goodness, and the cover by Scott Jackson is going to be absolutely amazing. It's a glow-in-the-dark cover, and if everything comes out right with the printers and you get that you know, full of some sunlight and everything and put it in the dark, you're going to get to see some, some ghouls and ghosts on the cover that you're not able to see in the daylight. So definitely... Check that out. And also check us out at houseoftheunusual.com. We have a free forum site there where you can meet some like-minded individuals, have some great conversations, and uh, share in your collection. Show us you know, what you got in your, your collection. So that's what we got for Friends of the, uh, of the Podcast today. And it is time for the Crypt of Classics. So every week on the, the Crypto Classics, what we do is I give you a movie that, that you could watch during the week and then he- head over to the forum site and pinned on the top is Crypto Classics. And you could let us know what you thought about the movie, discuss it, and give us uh, your insight. So if you're wondering what to watch and you've seen everything, don't worry, we got you covered. So this week we have The Old Dark House. So, seeking shelter from a storm, five travelers are in for a bizarre and terrifying night when they stumble upon the Femme family estate. The Old Dark House is a 1932 American pre-code comedy horror film released by Universal Pictures, directed by James Well, 
and based on the 1927 novel Benighted by John Boyton Priestley. It stars Boris Karloff, Melvin <laughs> Douglas, Raymond Massey, and Gloria Stewart. The film was released on October 20th, 1932 in the United States and October 26th, 1932 in the United, in the United Kingdom. Considered a lost film, director Curtis Harrington, a close friend of James Well, discovered a print in the Universal Vaults in 1968. So many thanks to him for going the extra distance to uh, find the print of that. The movie has a runtime of 72 minutes and had an estimated budget of 250000 which would be $4.4 million in today's money. Video can be found for free on YouTube, or if you have the Shutter app, they have it on there as well. Uh, you can go anywhere and find it on DVD. That would probably be your best bet to find a uh, a good copy of it. So that is our Cryptic Classics film of the week, The Old Dark House from 1932. Great movie if you've never seen it. And if you have seen it, now's the time to revisit again during the Halloween season. And I tell you what, if it's a dark, stormy night outside, this is the movie to put on at your house and turn off all the lights and and sit back relax and watch it won't be disappointed all right so that's what we got uh for today so we're gonna check out our guests uh chuck and craig and see what they're up to uh chuck i'm gonna give it over to you and uh let us know what's going on man and thanks for joining us hey no problem it's always a pleasure i'm picking up some feedback here let me try and move this around well chuck you got to remember you're a magician you got to come in with that Strange, you know, for not, you know, type of sound. <laughs> How does that sound now? Does it sound better? I can... Sounds good. Okay, kind of lower the volume a little bit. Yeah, you know what? I'm keeping busy, guys. I've been, I've been doing, uh, you know, uh, quite a few shows. I actually had one today. You know, the problem is with this variant coming in now. Uh, there, there's a few of the, the 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 nursing homes that have canceled because if if one person, you know, co- you know, comes down with the coronavirus, it could be like a worker or, or it could be like a resident. By, by CDC rules, that's a total lockdown. So, so you know, so, so some shows are being postponed actually because of the uh, because of the variant, you know, that's coming around. And and with kids going back to school now, they're actually bringing it home. You know, they're actually spreading it and everything. So that's unfortunate. So, uh, so I hope this doesn't pick up to where it was before, man. You know, but uh, but you know what? I'm still doing quite a few shows, but some are being postponed. So that so that has been happening the last couple of weeks. I noticed. And. And as a magician, Chuck, aren't you able to like make it disappear? Hey, I wish I could, man. <laughs> yeah, come on, Chuck. Where's your magic powers, man? Let's yeah, do yeah. it. What, what's going on here? Now, yeah. if you guys know, we have in the background here, Mr. Craig Tobek. Craig Tobek has been uh, to all our listeners out there. If you ever grew up and read a comic book, and you saw an ad for the Johnson Smith Company, it was Craig who put it together. Wow. Um, so we're going to ask Craig to give us a little bit of his background. And this way, most listeners out there can, uh, can uh, you know, get to know him. Go ahead, Craig. The floor is yours. Uh, well, it's, it's not that exciting. But, uh, yeah, I came on board uh, to Johnson Smith Company in uh, 1970. And um, uh, they were uh, pretty small then. Uh, the uh, the owner had let the company kind of just dwindle down, but um, we, 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 when I came on board, we decided to try to build it up. Uh, and uh, the comic magazines, the ads in the comic magazines, 
were really um, uh, uh, something that uh, worked very well for us. Uh, and by the way, you may not know this, but <clears throat> the very first comic was the Superman action comics of 1938. And uh, Johnson Smith had two full page ads in that comic book, which if you could get a copy of now would be worth many dollars. Um, but in 1970, I started uh, doing the comic ads, uh, w which many people are familiar with, uh, 50, 60 items on one page. Um, and uh, it was uh, in those days, in the 60s and 70s, uh, 100 million comic books would go out every month. Um, and that lasted uh, into the 80s when, for some reason, uh, comics, really the comics of the 50s, 60s, and 70s just dwindled down to uh, a fraction of what they were earlier. No. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, Craig, um, we had talked about a story. I know you used to sell duplicates of the 1929 um, Johnson Smith catalog, which supposedly was the largest catalog ever made uh, at the time. Uh, you told me a little bit of story. Can you, can you tell our audience that story? Yeah, sure. Um, let's go back in the history of Johnson Smith. Uh, Alfred Johnson Smith came to America from Australia. He had uh, sold um, uh, rubber stamps in Australia by mail. <clears throat> and he, he grew to like the mail order business, but Australia was a pretty small country at that time in the early 1900s. So he decided to come to America and uh, start a mail order business here. And he landed in Chicago. Why there? Because that's where uh, Montgomery Wards and Sears and Roebuck were located, both giant mail order companies of the day. And uh, so uh, Mr. Smith thought that's where he should be, Chicago. <coughs> um, but he knew that he couldn't compete with uh, Sears and Wards because, you know, they, they sold everything that you needed. Uh, or wanted. So um, he decided to sell uh, things that people didn't really need uh, <laughs> and, and, and he did novelties. Uh, eventually um, the catalog grew into six, seven hundred pages. Mr. Smith really fancied himself a writer and he liked to write the ads in the, in the catalog. He'd spend two pages describing a 10 cent item. <clears throat> um, the 1929 catalog um, was reprinted by a publishing house in 1970, actually, about when I started at Johnson Smith. And um, uh, it, 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 it's interesting history of that catalog too. Uh, in 29, when Mr. Smith published the catalog, um, he sold, he wanted to sell it for three cents a copy. Now you're talking a six, 700 page volume <laughs> that he was trying to sell for three cents. Um, however, this was the 
time of the depression and the catalog did not sell. Uh, so he was stuck with all these copies of this giant catalog that he, he couldn't distribute. And he also couldn't pay the printer. Uh, as a result, John, he, he went, he went, the company went bankrupt and, um, Mr. Smith, uh, told the printer, I will pay you, uh, uh eventually, uh, what, what can we work out? So, um, the printing company, I believe it was called Western printing, which I think is still around, um, were, they were located in Racine, Wisconsin. So they asked, or they told Mr. Smith, relocate here to Racine so we can watch you and uh, help you and um, uh, as you get your business going again, pay us back. So eventually uh, he moved to, he did move to Racine and eventually paid back all the money he owed the printer and all of the money that he owed um, any vendor of his, uh, any supplier, uh, because he had you know, thousands of items in the catalog that he had purchased and couldn't pay for. Um, but eventually, uh, he was able to get the business going. He wound up paying a hundred percent, uh, rather than 10%, which the bankruptcy law allowed. He paid everybody back a hundred percent. And, uh, from there in the thirties and forties, the business took off. Um, and when I came on board in 1970, I would go and, and, and to the trade shows uh, where I would meet uh, the vendors who had supplied Johnson Smith for many years. And uh, they loved Johnson Smith because he had paid everybody 100 uh, percent. So they never had problems getting any uh, any merchandise that uh, we needed. Um, the. Uh, Eddie, you have a copy, I believe, of that 1929 reprint, don't you? No, I, I have a copy of the reprint, but I also have the actual real catalog. Yeah, catalog. so you have you have both. You have the original yeah. and you have the the reprint. Wow. <laughs> there's a um, there's a forward in the um, uh, reprint written by um, a fellow by the name of Gene Shepard who in, in the day, in the 60s and 70s, was uh, pretty much a cultural, uh, um, he, he, he just, he, he was sort of, I'm trying to think of like who he was in to, today would remember. Anyway, he was very well known. And um, I, I love one of the lines that he wrote in the foreword. What he said about the Johnson Smith catalog was that it, was the Rosetta Stone of American culture. Uh, in other words, if you wanted to find out what it was like in the 20s and 30s and 40s of, in America, take a look at what Johnson Smith sold in their catalog. Um, some of the stuff, by the way, that was in that 1929 catalog uh, would be uh, would have gotten Mr. Smith in a lot of trouble today. <laughs> uh, you know, That's there was some racial stuff. I don't think he was racist, but in the 20s, I mean, people looked at uh, 
African Americans in, in a different way than we do today. Um, you know, and so there was some stuff that uh, uh, definitely wouldn't fly in today's uh, world in that catalog, but it was what America was like. Um, so uh, the, 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 the 29 catalog uh, is really a, uh, a piece of uh, American cultural history, and I'm glad you have a copy of it, Eddie. Yeah. I tell you what, I got a copy of it too, Craig. Uh, hey, yeah. Hey, but first of all, man, it's, you know what, it's a pleasure uh, to finally talk to you. I'll tell you what, I grew up in the seventies, you know, you know, like the early to mid seventies and right. uh, man, those ads bring back memories, Craig. I'll tell you what, you did a fantastic job. You and Johnson Smith. Uh, I placed my first order in 1969 when I was five years old. <laughs> I bought yeah, that's what actually got me into doing magic. I mean, I was a I was a five year old kid. I bought a ball vase and a color changing handkerchief. And uh -huh. uh, so your first purchases were magic? Yeah, yeah. The first you knew, purchase you knew at you knew at age five I that did. you were you were a magician. Yeah, I did. You know what? And I sent the money in. I think my mom made a money order at the bank and it was like a uh, the whole thing was like a dollar maybe like a dollar 60 or something to get the whole order came to. And it took two weeks to come, you know, for some reason, you know, uh, you know, because I placed a lot of orders throughout the years when I was a kid, you know what? It always took around that time where, where I lived anyway, it took, it took two weeks. And so I would, man, I was so excited. That was the longest two weeks I ever had, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but I'll well, tell you in what, early I, days, um, you know, people like you actually sent in cash well, or, or coins, Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it, people would would tape their coins to three by five cards and we'd get <laughs> 75 cents in the mail, and all pennies or what have you. <laughs> we, had, we had to have people sitting uh, at tables and opening the mail and separating out the coins and, and the dollars and so forth. Um, yeah, you know, that's, stuff that's back amazing. then was not I mean, it was a dollar here and 25 cents there and. Uh, <laughs> Not not that way any longer, of course. But no, and I saved a lot of that stuff, Craig. You know what? Like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, I have about three drawers full of stuff that I saved throughout all the years that I bought things, and I finally put it into one cabinet that I built. You know, like it, it has swinging doors, and I like put different racks in there and stuff. So I actually have it all put into one thing because, like, my wife was getting disgusted. You know, uh, we've been <laughs> married. Yeah, we've been married close to thirty years, and, uh, and she said, "Why don't you get all that stuff?" and put it somewhere. And so I did, I finally built a cabinet, you know, and it's, it's like a display type of thing, you know, and then, uh, and, uh, still to this day, like when I do lectures, you know, for like uh, different magicians, I'll, I'll bring this along because we all grew up with that stuff. It's, it's, it's fascinating. So I'll get each, uh, each item out and explain what it does and so forth. It's just, yeah. it's just really, really cool stuff, man. And, uh, you, you'll be, you might be interested to know that, uh, other famous people, uh, got into magic or entertainment uh, as well by starting with Johnson Smith stuff. Uh, oh. For instance, Johnny Carson. Okay. Uh, Johnny Carson bought his, when he was a youngster in Iowa, I think it was, uh, mm -hmm. bought his first magic from us, Johnson Smith. Wow. <laughs> and um, he, 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 coined, he, he, he became the great Carsoni. Yeah, that's right. The great Carsoni. Yep. As a, as a twelve-year-old or so, and he would do uh, birthday parties for the five and six-year-old kids. But that's where he first got a taste 
of entertaining and making people laugh. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, which is why and he had often said Johnson Smith ads and, and merchandise was the reason he became an entertainer. Isn't that something? Yeah. Wow. So it's a lot, a lot like your story. Yeah, that's now, fantastic. He, he ended up uh, with a couple hundred million bucks. So maybe that's in your future. Yeah, who knows, you know, I mean, but uh, I tell you what, yeah, I, I used to like to watch the Carson show. I used to, I used to always watch it because he was very friendly to like the magicians, you know what I mean? Because, right. uh, because of the fact that he was a magician, like you said, I mean, he, he had a lot of magicians under throughout the years. I used to, I used to get a kick out of his show, man. I used to, and he had a lot, a lot of the top entertainers, you know, I kind of, I kind of like his his late show like a lot better than the ones today. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think you're right. Uh, do you remember Orson Bean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Orson Bean, uh, an actor, uh, uh, would come on Carson, and uh, they would Bean would bring a bag full of uh, jokes and novelties, like the stuff Johnson Smith sold, and uh, they would actually mention Johnson Smith. I remember one night I I happened to catch Bean uh, and Carson talking about Johnson Smith and showing some of the gags oh. and jokes. And I thought, well, gee, the phone's going to ring off the hook tomorrow morning. Uh-huh. But it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's actually kind of cool. Maybe maybe there's a video clip somewhere on YouTube if we search this, you know, or some yeah, it might be something to look for. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, I used to I used to stay up to watch the Carson show even when I was in high school. I uh-huh. would look out I would look out for a few people. One was Don Rickles. Right. That guy, that guy was hilarious. You know what? If he was on the Carson show, I'd stay up and watch it. Like even on the school night, I used to uh, stay up for him, Rodney Dangerfield and uh, Rip Taylor. Uh, Rip Taylor, Rip Taylor was hilarious. Oh man. But those three comedians were the best. You know, they don't make them like that anymore. No, they don't. You don't, you don't see that stuff like you saw uh, on the Carson show. No, no, you don't. You yeah. don't, and you know something interesting too uh, that uh, a lot of people don't. Goes back to nineteen eighty-five. At the time, I wanted to know how to get a ghost and how to, you know, how to make it. So I decided to call Johnson Smith. When I called Johnson Smith, they put on the phone a man by the name of Craig Tarbeck, <laughs> and he says to me, "What is it you like to do?" And I told "Well, you know, I'm mixed in with Lou Wise from the Fun and I kind of like to, uh, you know, start a mail order business and all this and that. So he says to me, okay, um, I think I have the instructions. He goes somewhere to some envelope and he finds the instructions for the original 1970s ghost. And he says to me, which I never forget, he says, well, you know what? Let me see if you do come around and make it, maybe we can carry it in our catalog. I got really excited at that moment. Then he puts on a guy by the and Dominic starts telling me how to, you know, parts and where to buy them and, you know, for, to make the good. So, uh, Craig. We, we weren't me, selling it any longer, right? No, you weren't selling. It had been already, what, like six, seven years that you weren't selling it. And you sent me a fax of the front of the instructions. So I said to you, is there a possibility I can get them? You said, sure. I'll send them out to you tomorrow. Well, the telephone, you know, hung up, waited a day or two, three days, nothing came. So I call back and I get Craig again. And Craig says, 
you know what, Eddie? I, I was thinking after uh, what I did and stuff, you know, I don't know if the owner, John Smith, might be mad, um, you know, because it is an item. So I think I'll just keep it for a record. I, and I think with the copy you have, you should be okay. But I didn't get the back part of the instructions, which is what I wanted. So I was like, what a bummer. Uh, years went by, Craig. And that fateful day, that those instructions didn't appear. <laughs> cost me a dearly buck. When I finally was able to get them on eBay, it cost me $900. Oh, wow. A bidding war, a bidding war between me and Kirk Damaris, book Mail Order Mysteries. <laughs> the book was written about my collection due to the fact that since he lost out to me, he needed to come up and see me so that he could see the item he lost. The time when we were bidding each other, um, it, it was interesting. You know, he, he was teaching a class in his college because uh, I think he teaches in one of the colleges. In, uh, and he had the computer there. He's trying to talk. He's trying to look at the auction at the same time. And uh, the starting bid was $10.98. Here I am in, in my place up in Jersey, and I'm looking at the auction, and we're all looking. Of course, I, I have a way which I'm not going to disclose because it's a private way in which I know how to beat most people. In fact, I and um, I went ahead and I won. But when I look at the price, man, <laughs> it said $896 or $878 yeah. All I could think was, oh, my God, my wife is going to kill me. And at that time, I said, Craig, I want to kill you. Send me the instructions. But anyway, I got the entire ghost. Though. It was a mint condition ghost with envelope instructions, everything that came with it. Now, the other interesting part that one day, you know, uh, you know, at that time, I was a young kid and stuff. So, Craig, you know, you were the big boss and Johnson Smith and stuff. And when I bothered you and stuff, you know, it, it was okay. It was just Eddie, who's Eddie, a guy who likes novelties. So one day I go to Florida and I decide, you know what? I got to get together because it's, it's been 20 years. I, I've sent this guy bottles and stuff and I've always talked to him, but I've never met him. So I, I told my mom, I went to visit with my wife and I, and I got my father who had a van and we drove 357 miles to have lunch with Craig. Now, Craig, if if you remember, recall, you had gone through Johnson Smith and you had been up in the attic or somewhere trying to find those instructions that you had not sent me, including, I think, if I remember, the original artwork for the ghost. Right. And and it was in vain because you told me you even broke your trousers. You remember that day? Because of what? You broke your trousers in the box. I know. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> you told yeah, when you go look i broke my pants i was up there trying to to really find it but uh to no avail i think yeah and, but um, obviously obviously we had discarded them uh much longer quite a while before i guess well when at the time you did have them still in johnson smith when i called you in 85 uh johnson smith was already down in bradenton beach florida yeah. I, I so apparently, like you said, they must have thrown out something in between A and B. Um, yeah. I mean, it didn't matter because then not only did I got, I also got a second set of the instructions. I forgot some guy in Las Vegas came to a, a pawn shop, 
and uh, he was able to buy it, and he gave it to me. We made a trade. I gave him a six-foot Dracula in full color, and he gave me the instructions that, you know, had the ghost and had an additional envelope. So what I did is I took that, and I I went to Michael's, and I purchased a uh, 24 by 48 uh, plexi display case, not plexi, a glass display case, a shadow box, and I paid, I think it was $140, $160 and had Michaels professionally mount the ghost inside this huge display. And I've actually, I've never opened it since. One day I'm going to do an unopening for the YouTube channel because I haven't looked at that for like 10, 15 years now. Um, I haven't seen the original ghost. I have it there. It is picture of the center of Mail Order Mysteries. And I remember when Kirk came by, all he was asking was, I need to see the ghost. I need to see the ghost. And I showed it to him. And he was there taking pictures of it like like crazy. He couldn't believe. <laughs> that. And, and, you know, it was kind of funny. The reason I found out that Craig, I mean, I'm sorry, that um, Kirk had been the one that was bidding against me was that when the guy who sold me the ghost, um, he was going to send it to me, he an email and said, listen, there's a guy here who wants to pay and he'll pay, I think it's $20 a clip of the photo of the ghost. And he goes, maybe you can make some of the money back. So I said, sure. I said you don't have to pay $20 for a picture. <laughs> and then he goes, Eddie, is this you? And that's when we found out we had been bidding against each other. And uh, it was a quote, though, but, <laughs> but I did get it. And, and you know what, Craig? Funny as it may sound, though, I wish to this day that I would have had the original artwork for that ghost. That would have been so phenomenal. Yeah, uh, but you've done well with the ghost, haven't you, Eddie? Yeah, I made my own version of it. I have a box version that you signed quite a few of them. I've uh -huh. sold, you know, I still have from, because I only made a printing of 100. So I've sold most of the ones, the signed versions, I still have like, maybe 15 left or 12. Uh, I sold uh, about four or five of them. And you know what, to be honest with you, it's phenomenal. And it's probably the item that I treasure the most. The <laughs> seven foot ghost is, in my opinion, the best mail order item ever made. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Sorry, I couldn't, I didn't, or couldn't make it easier for you, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you didn't, but you didn't give up, that's for sure. No, he doesn't give up. Eddie doesn't give up. That's true. I, I, I thought what was phenomenal, and one of the things that, Craig, I think me and you got closer, was when I told you with the Lou Wise from the Fun Factory, that you told me that story that when you were up there, Lou had tried to hire you to come down from um, uh, Michigan down to New Jersey to run the Fan Factory in the 1970s, remember? Oh, I remember, yeah. I remember talking to Lou, and... Uh... He recruited me, but, um, you know, I like Johnson Smith and I really didn't, I didn't really think I was uh, a New York kind of guy. Yeah. And, and you know what, one of the most fascinating things also about that fact that Lou had given me the opportunity in 1993, I think if you remember Craig, that, Together, we reopened the original Fun Factory, and I make my dream come true 
and Lou had a full page ad run in DC Comics. So as we had spoken one time, Craig, Johnson Smith was the forerunner of all the mail order comic books because they ran in the 1938 Superman, actually number one. The Fun Factory under me and Lou ran the last comic book ad ever in 1993, 92, Mm -hmm. the winter where you can find uh, the crisp. It was actually the February issue or January issue that went in sale in December. And it shows like the Christmas theme on it. But what came out? C comics, quite a few. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. That that year had a full page ad. If you remember, I think I sent you a copy of one of the comics. But any comic book from 1993, December slash January issue will have the full page ad for Fun Factory inside. Um, I think I've already given Todd, and I don't know if Joe has one or Chuck, but, um, you know, you can get them on the internet, you can get them on eBay, but the thing I could say is I hold that title as the last mail-order comic book Uh. company that ran out there, which is exciting. And then later, of course, we became House of the Unusual. Now, yeah, you know, Greg, you know, the, the the demise of the comics was really a sad thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there was there were no there were no there were no places anymore for kids to spend ten cents like you did. No. Uh, when you were five years old, um, you know, the drug. When I was a kid, by the way. Um, I would go to the local drugstore and get my cherry Coke and buy a 10 cent comic book. Right. Um, the, those places where they could be sold, where kids would go disappeared. Yeah, they did. You're right. Uh, I mean, mall, malls took over and malls, they didn't want kids in their store. Mm-hmm. So there was no place for the comic books to be sold. There was, a, you know, the resurgence, there was, I mean, a lot of people, and I mentioned this several times, and maybe you guys can remember. I think Chuck, you will probably remember. I think between 1981 and 84, you wouldn't see a comic book anywhere. Like yeah. the only thing I remember seeing were the Archie Digest mm-hmm. that you would see in the supermarket, but you couldn't find comic books. In no, fact, right. I, I thought that at that time they had stopped printing them. But what happened in 1984, 85, WWF, the wrestling world, started. Uh, taking over by storm and all of the sudden out of nowhere, Craig, and, and you know, this Craig, because you, Johnson Smith started running ads and the rest, they started running ads and then uh, they started republishing Harvey comics at the time, Casper and Richie rich. And the right. deal with Harvey comics was they were charging $700 or $750 for three or six months worth of ads. And right. and Johnson Smith took the back cover, <laughs> and I called up and I spoke with, you know, Harvey Publications, and I was about ready to run at, and they told me at that moment that Johnson Smith was there, you know, that I had to wait. I forget what the story was, but I noticed that I saw a Felix the Cat comic book, and I contacted that company and spoke with the grandson which I don't remember his name right now. I do have it 
his name somewhere because I remember writing down his information. The grandson of the guy who created Felix the Cat. Wow. Cool. And um, he was telling me, you know, we're publishing now Felix the Cat. And I got all excited when I got my first ad ready, which I went to Office Depot. And some guy there in the graphic department with a very, I mean, we're talking barbaric 1980s computer stuff, designed the ad for me. And when I was going to run it, well, apparently out of nowhere, uh, being printed. They didn't print any more uh, Felix the Cat. So what I did, my next thing was, how am I going to do this mail order novelty stuff if in reality, one, at that time, now I split up. I was uh, doing the House of the Unusual by myself. And what had happened is I couldn't afford the comic books because those were like five grand for one month. But what I could afford was wrestling jewelry magazines, which were published by a guy that was in Chinatown, New York City. And actually, it's funny because they published those two magazines, but the other magazines they published were in the X. Uh, X-rated kind of, I think. Uh, and um, I, the publishing company, I went actually to the company in person, met with the editor, and he decided, he said, hey, let's let's run. Because he at that moment, he was actually running. There was a company started in the wrestling magazines, which was Brown. And they had another company. And, and all of a sudden, all the companies, Craig, from the 1970s, the one that sold the Hercules wristband, the ones that sold the karate books, they all started coming out of the woodwork and, and advertising and wrestling magazines all throughout the entire country. Is that In so fact, Original Honor House, if you remember, Craig, at the end, started selling those pellet firing pistols they used to sell. And right. And guaranteed distributors and continue selling and what they started doing, they found a niche in the gun magazines, such as Guns and Ammo, guns, the actual magazine name Guns, Soldier right. of Fortune. And they started running those pellet firing pistols for $4.95. And I, I think remember they that. kept doing that for the next 10, 15 years. Now, yeah. now, for me, I ran half the jet in Wrestling Fury. Uh, for the seven-foot ghost and a set of binoculars on the side, I ran um, a few ads. But what I found at the time was that what I would be making more money in it was by selling stuff in Popular Mechanics and Pop. Boys right. Life Magazine. Right, you did that too, Eddie. Yeah, well, in Boys Life Magazine, which they kept running Johnson Smith ads and Funhouse ads. You remember Jack Abel for the Funhouse? Sure. Uh, he's the one that published the 1001 free things. Right. Okay. Right? Did you ever I remember that. Okay. Jack Abel, which, uh, uh, like right now, Craig, the honest truth is that I think you and Lou Weiss are the last remaining people because Jack Abel passed. Edwin Wagner from Honor House passed. Um, yeah. Franco American novelties, Bob. Uh, Lou told me the story when I spoke with him last year or something that I think the wife found him but he had a heart attack. He passed. And Bob Levy from Fireland Levy Advertising passed as well. Now, Bob Levy was the guy that started American Circle. Right. Which was very popular in comic books. With all the companies, Craig, all the companies that were out there, 
Um, I could say this much. The thing that I was always looking for, and I know Joe is going to say, take a drink, seven-foot mobile plants yeah. that were sold. Take with, a drink, everyone. <laughs> with, with, um, they were sold with the Monster Golds, with the Melting. The Melting Company obviously went under two names, the Melting Company and Guaranteed Distributors, which not nothing to do with the Honor House Company, but they were similar. You know, They had the same name. And one thing that was kind of funny is, Lou Weiss gives me, when we were in the Fun Factory, he gave me the original phone book from the company, um, original, you know, everything the company had, right? And one day I'm sitting there up and I'm there with Dave Harvestat from SS Adams. And we're sitting in the car there. We're looking through the phone book. And we had met up there because the way I had worked it is when I had my magic that now the internet comes around. I don't have to run ads in popular science and mechanics. Get the ad to come out. What happened now, Craig, is that the internet came out and I was able to have a website and, you know, start selling on eBay and all this stuff. And we're looking, um, I would sell in my website. I, I called, um, before I met Dave Harvestet, I called Chris Adams because I used to purchase in 1989 from SS Adams, and I went there, and Chris Adams, the grandson of the Soren Adams, Soren, if I pronounce his name right, I don't even remember, uh, he um, he took me on an entire tour of the place. Uh, Dave came in, and what happened is that at that time, I asked Chris, I said, hey, Chris, I need a catalog. Can I use the SS Adams catalog the cover on it and you know make it house of the unusual and he said of course you can just uh and then he put me in contact with a company called mackie printers which was right across the street and they were the ones that used to publish the uh so mackie printer was nice enough to make me a version like you know he said yeah we'll just put you know the same thing we'll just change the name we'll typeset house of the unusual and I was going ahead. So I did that. And that's the catalog I would send people. But did, you stock, web... did, you, did you stock all that stuff, Eddie? Well, what happened was, is that Craig, um, Dave Harborsat, when he purchased the company or half of the company, and I got to be really good friends with him. When I went back into the business, because in between 1998 and 2000, I wasn't doing anything. Got me involved in again. And I said, well, what I'm call and I'm going to call SS Adams because I had an account with them and whatever and that's when Chris Adams uh, introduced me to Dave Harvestad and then what Dave would do is whenever I sold an item if I didn't have it I would tell him hey Dave can I meet you so he would he lived in Connecticut but he used to have to drive three times down to the SS Adams Neptune store and what we would do is we would rendezvous and meet in the middle <laughs> and now this way I didn't have to buy large stocks of merchandise mm -hmm. but I mean that's how I did it but the, you know going forward to be honest with you the mail order industry took a totally different form when the internet came around and when eBay came around mm -hmm. because now all the stuff that I had that I had no idea was going to be worth so much started skyrocketing in prices for example when honor house in 1985 they closed their doors i think in 84 
I drove up there in 1985 and I met this guy who worked for them. Um, I think his name was Ruben, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. He worked house. And when I went and tried to met, meet with Wagman, uh, Wagman had told me to come back or send, you know, send him a letter and he make an appointment. I'm, I'm, this guy goes into the warehouse. When I came in the parking lot, I asked him, I said, hey, is there anything left in there? And he goes, let me find out. So he goes in the back and he brings me 10, was it? Ten? Yeah, 10 Frankensteins, the green ones, in mint condition, and 11 skeletons, bony the skeletons. Wow. And gives them to me. I mean, who would have known that today they'd be selling for $500 a piece? Yeah, who would think? I think, Craig, yeah. my mistake was in the, when the beginning of eBay and stuff back in 2000 and 2001. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest mistake was that I started selling those Frankensteins for $100, $200, and I sold like 10 of them. Now, here's the problem. The 10 that I sold, I stayed, I'm sorry, I sold nine because I stayed with two of them. The nine that I sold, one guy contacted me about, about four years ago, and he Hey, Eddie, I want to ask you this question. I got this Frankenstein that I got from some in Texas or whatever. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Las Vegas. And I think it was $245, whatever. He said, what do you think would be a good asking price if I try to sell it on eBay? And I said, look, the fact that the color Frankenstein and the color Dracula are more popular because they were original, it's one thing. The popular, the green Frankenstein, because I think it reflects more the 1970s, higher value. I said to him, why do you just put for the heck of it a starting bid of 425 a buy it now of 540 And he goes, okay. So I look at the auction. The next morning I get up and I go, what did you take down the auction? Yeah. He goes, no, I sold it. I said, you sold it for 540 Wow. So then the thing that really threw me off is when I'm looking, I say, who did you buy that Frankenstein from? He tells me, and when I look at my old paperwork, I, you know, because I keep all, and I'm looking through all the sales, I sold the guy, the Frankenstein, for $175 about 10 years ago. He sold it to this guy for $245, who in turn sold it to another guy for $504. Yeah. So I'm saying to myself, how many of those Frankensteins out there were actually the ones that I kind of yeah. market with, you know? That's but, true. You know, well, you're right, Eddie. The The internet changed everything. And and the latest change is uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. And Amazon has put a lot of people out of business, including Johnson Smith, who closed their That's doors right. in 2019. Wow. That is correct. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm that stuff one thing i wanted to mention it's kind of interesting because calf cavarage uh he's the guy that's working on the cover for my new upcoming book and he's also been a good friend for almost 20 years now he's uh since he's an artist he he belongs to a lot of different forums and one of the forums put posted and he calls me out on it and he goes eddie what do you think of this? And now the guy has, he was able to acquire an original six foot Dracula, the one. And he got an original one and he also got the six foot Frankenstein. The thing that was interesting when I saw that, I, first of all, he did get the original Dracula. 
But the story with the Frankenstein, which Craig, I don't know if you might remember this or not, because remember how we spoke that the original uh, company that sold the seven foot Frankenstein and skeleton was Johnson Smith in 1970, where it made two appearances and two different uh, catalogs. And yeah, then I remember. Some, yeah, and apparently John, Honor House took it from there, exact word for word, and then they added the the coupon that looks like a coffin. And then for the next 20 years, it was Honor House who sold them. But right. <laughs> which is funny. But here's the story. The original company that made the Six Foot Dracula and Frankenstein was called the Lowell Toy Company. And they were located in Long Island. And then what happened later on, I think it was in 1963. The first ad, I think, one, one of the first, to be exact, was in Warren Magazine, uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland, number 126, that the outer cover is the outer limits. Usually that magazine goes for about $160. Had a full-page ad for both monsters for only a dollar, the wow. color Dracula and color Frankenstein. This is 1963, 62, if I'm correct. In 1966, 67, a company in Britain made a Frankenstein the similar. The only thing, if you put the two of them together, you see is bigger in one than the other. So the knockoff, which is the one from Britain, since they didn't have the equipment to print like the other, got to like past the knee, that right before the ankle, they would actually print a separate section and they would glue it there. So it actually, instead of being one entire piece it would be the top and then it had a glue bottom section for the feet wow. wow it also has on the top and bottom a cardboard and it has a string making it look like those chinese uh calendars that you get when you go to chinese restaurants in the new years and stuff it right. kind of looks like that now that poster when it first came out was sold not in famous monsters it was sold like in creepy eerie magazines they were sold in magazines that were mostly published by Warren Publications, which they probably you know, published Elvira. <clears throat> and what happened, they would come with little spiders and caterpillars as a free incentive. Some people today take that poster and try to sell it off as the original old toy company. Oh, so wow. I told Calf, Calf, I hate to break the guy's heart. He goes out and spends hundreds of dollars and frame the set, the Frankenstein original set. He's got one of the reproductions. Yeah, they're still worth a couple of hundred dollars, to, uh, two or three, while the original is worth like five. But the thing is that, and I praise Jesus for this, I'm, I was able to original box version of the Dracula and box version of the Frankenstein back in I mean, in the late 90s or early 90s. And when I acquired it, okay, I, with the original box, that's the one that appears in the center of Mail Order Mysteries. You see the boxes there. Those are... Oh, I had wow. a guy offer me for the Dracula and the Frankenstein box, just the box alone, $2,000. And I said, no. And then he stopped talking to me for a while. And finally, <laughs> you know, he got to talk to me again. But the thing is that I tell a lot of people that are listening that they have to be careful when you come. 
because this guy in his mind thinks he's got the two. Hold him straight forward. You don't have, you have the real Dracula. Whoop. Are you there? I think we lost Eddie. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey where'd you uh, go, Eddie? Doctor, uh, yeah, Eddie, you there? When you look at it side by side. Hey, there he is. You, you cut off for a minute, Ed. Yeah, I noticed <laughs> that. I noticed that. No, I'm saying that the original, the English version and the original, when you put it side by side, you would see the low toy company is one has more vivid color. The yep. other one, the colors are like washed off and kind of like uh, not blurry, but you could see what was done where they kind of leaked into the paper. It's not a good copy. The head is bigger. Um, right. From far away, you might think it's the original. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people in Chile Theater try to sell it off as the original for a couple sure. hundred dollars. In fact, in the 1990s, when Famous Monsters all filmed that, when I'm being in 2000, when they started republishing that magazine, they found a company called the Monster Company or something found in Europe an original box of those posters that had survived the fire. He found hundreds of them and then started selling them in Famous Monsters for 125 each. I was able to acquire about four. So I do have four of those knockoffs. But I'm telling you, they're not, you can't compare the quality you can't compare nothing. No. Hey, uh, uh, Chuck and Joe, I wonder if you would agree with me that we don't want to uh, see Eddie ever grow up. <laughs> never. <laughs> never, we ever. Keep, we got to keep Eddie going. Oh, man. He's a national treasure. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He's like the ever-ready bunny, man. He doesn't wind down. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hey, let me tell you a story about Johnson Smith, uh, which I think uh, you'll find interesting. Go ahead, Craig. We got about two minutes. Oh, real quick. Uh, Johnson Smith, I believe, was the first company in America that put uh, the whoopee cushion for sale. In fact, Paul Smith wrote, I mean, Alfred Johnson Smith wrote the great line, the whoopee cushion that it gives forth better noises imagined than described. Yeah. But you know, and it was a staple item. You had to have it. Uh, but in the 80s, uh, we couldn't find it. I would call Franco-American. You remember them, Eddie. Bob Umano. I said, Bob, I need a, a couple hundred uh, gross of uh, whoopee cushions. He says, I can't get them to you. And I said, well, why not? Why don't you have any? He said, well, <clears throat> because of the AIDS scare, rubber is now going into condoms and not into whoopee cushions. Wow. <laughs> we, could, we could not buy whoopee cushions because of AIDS. Unbelievable. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Craig, uh, it's funny. Uh, that's a that Lou Weiss had mentioned to me that they found the poor guy in his basement. You know, he had a heart attack and passed. Uh -huh. Very sad because he was a really In fact, he was actually the first guy that gave me before SS Adams, my first net 30 credit on in my uh, magic shop in 1989. So, yeah, yeah, but anyway, yeah, there's, uh, there's tons of cool stories, you know, out there. I'm, I'm sure that we could spend the whole uh podcast on, but we're getting down to the last final minutes here, so we're gonna get uh just some final words from everyone here. We're gonna go around the table, Chuck. We'll start with you, give us uh, uh, a final word from you. 
Hey, all right. It was great. It was a great conversation. Craig, very nice to meet you, man. You know what? Uh you did a you did a great job all those years and I could I, I could appreciate it. It was it was nice. It was nice finally to meet you. And uh and uh Joe and Eddie, thanks for having me on, man. And I hope to talk to you guys soon. God bless. And awesome. And one thing I want to say really quick, I'm going I'm planning to get Craig and Lou Weiss on at the same time. Cool. Um, hopefully the weather will be better because I know Pennsylvania is having some bad weather. And that's why we're having such kind of like in the podcast here. But anyway, saying that, thank you, Craig. Thank you, everybody. And go ahead, Joe, take it over. And God bless. Craig, Good night. Craig, you got any, Craig, it's been an amazing conversation with you and we really appreciate, appreciate you coming on board and telling us, you know, some stories of Johnson Smith. You got any final words for our listeners out there? My, my pleasure. It's always fun talking to uh, people who uh, are as curious and as uh, innovative and uh, as, as you guys, um, you know, uh, you were my customers way back when That's Chuck right. and Eddie and, uh, uh, I tried to do a good job for you and I'm glad that I'm still talking to some of you guys. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. And Eddie, you got any last words for us? Uh, maybe give us an update on some of the, uh, the, the magic items that are, are out well, for sale. If, if it lets me and it gives me time is I'm doing a whole campaign in YouTube right now that's going out. Uh, we're going, we're, we're going to continue to launch. As you guys know, the weather up here caused a little slight wrench in the plan of, you know, launching all the magic tricks that Chuck has produced. Uh, it's going forward, uh, probably ASAP. I'm working on it. I don't want to give a timeline, but it's happening before uh, probably the end of next week. In the process, I want to say thank you. And again, everybody, good night. And thanks. That's all I could say. God bless. Okay, all right. Awesome. Night. And I want to give a special thanks to all of our listeners out there. And if you are enjoying this podcast and you are checking this out weekly, head over to your favorite platform. Uh, subscribe to our, our podcast channel, give us a, uh, a nice five-star review and maybe a written review if you so, so choose that way, the, uh, those special algorithms out there could get our podcast out to, to more people. Also, don't forget to head over to house of the unusual.com. We have a forum there, a blog, uh, there's a link to the podcast and a bunch of other cool stuff, videos and whatnot. And you could just connect with some like-minded individuals and I'll talk about your collection, maybe learn a little bit about, you know, the history of these different uh, companies and also discuss maybe your favorite movies, toys, you know, whatever. It's just a, a good time and a good place for people to get together and uh, conversate and meet new people. Also, don't forget to check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, like our videos. Uh, we're going to be doing in the next coming weeks a, a big push on YouTube, getting more videos out there, some unboxing, some reviews of mail order novelties and you never know what surprises are out there so to all of our listeners uh, all over the world thank you for joining us and uh, we hope that you continue on with our journey and our conversations about the stuff that that we love and hopefully you'll enjoy it too so uh, chuck craig eddie thanks again for joining us everyone out there in podcast land thank you and good night <laughs>